Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Final Series with a look at LaVisca Chanel, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, this Jaguars passing game that, you know, I feel much worse about at this point than I did about six months ago. One, you know, miss weird reason after another for urban Meyer doing this and that, you know, first bringing in the ex Iowa coach. And then we got the Tim Tebow mania. Then we got the reality that apparently urban wants to run something closer to his Ohio state and Florida offenses than whatever Daryl Bavell had planned, or even Brian Schottenheimer and everyone else they got over on that coaching staff. So, you know, that was the big takeaway for me when they drafted Travis Etienne and started to kind of throw these wrenches in our carefully laid out fantasy plans it was the idea that etn who urban is just calling slash will be playing you know more of a slot hybrid running back role which we hear this all the time in the offseason i'm with deandre swift uh cam Akers. these are other running backs who have gotten the yeah you know we really like them as a receiver we'll line them up there more often in reality unless you're like austin eckler usually running backs are getting at most you know a handful of those sort of snaps uh per week at the absolute most so in etn's case i think we can buy into it more because urban has had Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel, guys like that over the years. And apparently was, you know, beside himself when he wasn't able to land Kadarius Tony to do that. So either way, now we need to consider what's going to happen in this offense. If we have, uh, maybe not the base offense, but at least a heavy amount of the offense consisting of, you know, five linemen, Lawrence, a tight end, James Robinson, or Carlos Hyde and ETN. So that basically takes away one of the receiver spots. And when that initially happened, I soured pretty hard on LaVisca Chenault, not because he was anything other than a stud last year. I mean, this guy was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. If you follow this podcast or any time at all, you probably know I have a soft spot for these type of, you know, hybrids. Uh, and for him to get 79 targets in 18 rush attempts last year and look good throughout the way while doing it uh, was very impressive. I mean, this is not a gadget player by any stretch of the imagination, people. I mean, LaVisca's routes look crisp all last year. He's not he's not someone that's easy to get to the ground by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, six foot one, 227 pounds with some speed and tackle breaking ability to boot. I mean, just get the ball in Visca's hands and good things happen. And I think he now, the more I think about it, has a chance to just be 
their straight up number one receiver on the Jaguars. So I was disappointed at first knowing that we weren't getting, you know, the millennial version of Percy Harvin here in LaVisca Chenault. But the more I think about it, we might just be getting the best version of LaVisca Chenault, which could be Trevor Lawrence's number one receiver for years to come. So I thought, uh, you know, PFF's own Kevin Cole had a good note about LaVisca. He's been doing a great series looking at the breakout potential of the league's various second year receivers. Please check that out on PFF.com if you haven't already. Anyway, this is a quote from Kevin's article. Chenault's most comparable players include bigger body receivers, many of whom were frequently targeted underneath as rookies. Jordan Matthews, Deontay Johnson, and DJ Moore all had average target depths under 10 yards as rookies. Chenault does have the requisite size and college performance history to function as a downfield threat. Seven of Chenault's top 10 comps ended up as top 20 PPR wide receivers in their second seasons, hinting at an encouraging outlook, but many were also drafted in the top 20, and Chenault's current best ball ADP is wide receiver 45. That's great news, everybody. And again, while he does have history playing the backfield, he did so for 24 snaps last year, even got two snaps at quarterback. We did see him in the slot, 168 snaps out wide, 376 snaps far more often. And he looked fine doing so. Again, repeat after me. LaVisca Chenault is not a gadget player. He is just a stud all around. He had 13 contested catches last year, most among rookie wide receivers, for 16 missed tackles on receptions, trailed only Darnell Mooney. If you want to include the rush attempt missed tackles, then you're looking at the single most explosive rookie wide receiver in terms of making dudes miss. Overall, he was one of just nine receivers to catch at least 90 95% of their catchable targets among 84 qualified guys. He's got the route running. He's got the tackle breaking ability. He's got the hands. It's no wonder that we've seen this sort of hype around Chenault throughout this entire offseason. We've gotten good notes from everybody. ESPN's Michael DiRocco noted Chenault was one of the highlights of the spring and the best offensive player. Sports Illustrated's John Shipley said Chenault staked a claim as the Jaguars' best skill player during OTAs. He has been that impressive. Even Urban Meyer himself called Chenault one of the Jaguars' best playmakers on offense. Now, Will he leap DJ Chark in the pecking order? I think so, because we have never seen any sort of issues handed down to Chenault by Urban Meyer the way we have already seen it with DJ Chark. I mean, this was a direct quote from Urban Meyer about DJ Chark. I just didn't like his size, his strength. I just thought was way below average, way below what we expect from our receivers. And he was told that he's a big guy that played little last year and that can't happen. He's got to play big and strong. Again, LaVisca Chanel is 227 pounds. He has never played small for a snap in his life. DJ Chark, a little bit more of a string bean receiver. You know, in this quote, they also mentioned how he put on seven pounds of muscle. Maybe that makes a difference, but I don't know, people. It's not exactly a sterling approval for someone that, again, hasn't, had more than one 16 game stretch of anything resembling excellence at the NFL level. I mean, overall in 39 career games, DJ Chark, 140 catches, 1,888 yards, 13 touchdowns. He flashed legit wide receiver one upside in 2019. I get it. Went for 1,008 yards, eight scores. Didn't exactly have the best quarterback play out there with that in mind. I mean, that 2019 Jaguars team, their number two to number six target getters are all no longer on the Jaguars. And last year, you know, I don't want to pick apart the guy's entire game log, but for his two really noticeable splash weeks to come against the Bengals and Texans, I just wonder if we're looking at, you know, a Devontae Parker type situation where like we just have to make so many kind of loopholes and excuses for the guy to actually put up some big numbers that maybe just maybe we're looking at someone that needs things to be going perfectly his way in order to be a high end fantasy producer. So, you know, 
I think with Chark, we just, again, we have bad feedback from Meyer. He scored fewer PPR points than LaVisca Chenault last year. And it was in one fewer game. Although Chenault did have some games himself where he was injured uh, early on. So I guess the big question for Chark is if LaVisca ends up being a starter on the outside, which I think we should expect at this point, can Chark even beat out Marvin Jones? Because, you know, we did have Urban giving Jones some better offseason notes saying that, you know, while he's also a good receiver, he's also bringing a lot to the table as a leader. I do wonder if I'm jumping the gun a little bit on calling on being ageist and including Marvin Jones in that mostly just because of how freaking cheap he is in fantasy land. I mean, I would not be investing in Marvin Jones as anything resembling a wide receiver three, but that's in his potential range of outcomes. If he can be at least somewhat like the guy he was last year in a similar offense feasibly with Daryl Bavell now taking his talents to Jacksonville, you know, I guess that my issues with Marvin was that so much of his production came without Kenny Galladay and I think Matthew Stafford was just really zeroing in on him with that said nine touchdowns is nine touchdowns and you know even if he's not going to be getting the double digit targets he doesn't need double digit targets to beat his currently just uh, uh, floor low ADP so I don't think Jones is completely washed. I still don't want to get in the business of, you know, chasing wide receivers in their thirties that are changing multiple teams. But at some point Jones is a value. And if we see him out there ahead of Chark in week one, uh, he's going to be someone I'm going to have to turn around on pretty quick. Rest of these receivers are competent. You know, I talked about ETN already and uh, all that. I mean, look, he only took 84 career snaps in the slot or out wide in 55 college games. I just have a hard time believing they truly drafted ETN to play like full-time wide receiver at the NFL level. He's good. I mean, at it, I'm not saying he can't do it. It's just, we really haven't seen it. And they just drafted the dude as a running back in the first round. I know urban's calling him a flash a slash. We've said that a few times, but man, oh man, we just haven't seen this offense consistently at the NFL level. And I think as much as, you know, they might want to run it that way. I think we ultimately see ETN lead this backfield and carries and targets alike, even if he's used a little bit more like a lightning to Robinson and Hyde's thunder uh, than we're anticipating. After that, we got Colin Johnson, 6'6", 222. May plays a little bigger than Shark, perhaps. I wouldn't go as far as suggesting you know, Johnson's going to unseat Shark in this offense. Maybe my uh, you know co-host on Wednesdays, Andrew Erickson, would just realize Colin Johnson you know, probably should be in maybe the top 10, top 12 list of number four wide receivers somehow in these podcasts i always get back to ranking every team's number four wide receivers that might need to be a definitive article at some point we also got philip Dorsett there speed kills you know he has plenty of that and even jamal agnew who should be a special teamer but man they gave this dude a three-year 14.25 million dollar contract i remember seeing that during free agency and just being like uh come again so we got other talented options in the passing game but ultimately it does seem like it's gonna be visca jones and chark and three wide receiver sets the question is how often are we going to see those three wide receiver sets or is this offense going to be one of the most two RB heavy units in the league ultimately takes us to the ranks. I am higher on LaVisca than consensus. I've messed my wide receiver 40 again, ADP currently more in the mid forties range. And I love scooping him up in this spot. I'm not going crazy with it. I would still take Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk because we don't exactly know if LaVisca is going to have this role. I mean, we could easily start the season and it's Marvin Jones and DJ Chark on the outside. I would shed a tear if that happens. Unfortunately, it's on the table and we don't really know what the upside of this offense is going to be more and more. We hear it's going to be quite a run heavy group. So, you know, it's, 
I'm not as high on Visca as I would like to be, but I think where he's going is great. And you can scoop him up confidently in that range. I do have DJ Chark right behind him at wide receiver 41. You know, it's funny with uh, Jonathan Taylor versus Cam Akers and uh, some of these, you know, Darren Waller versus George Kittle. We have these big, intense debates. And if you say on Twitter, you know, like give me Visca over Chark, people are coming at you hard. Yeah, I have him separated by one single spot. I certainly see the pathway to DJ Chark, you know, having a bigger year and, you know, looking more like the guy we saw in 2019 but right now based on what we saw last year based on what we've heard from Meyer himself and everyone else that's been around the organization I do think drafting LaVisca Chenault over DJ Chark is the move in fantasy football leagues of all shapes and sizes Marvin Jones I have down wide receiver 67 range probably need to bump him up though a little bit more anyway he is a value where he is going I think just because we don't know the unknown here and this is shaping up to be similar to I think the Houston Texans and New York Giants offenses of last year, where we have proven talented receivers being priced much closer to their floor than their ceiling. I mean, I would be pretty surprised if Trevor Lawrence doesn't enable a single wide receiver three. That's what they're currently being drafted as right now. I mean, DJ Chark, I think is going a little higher. I've obviously voiced my concerns about that. So, and just one last note on this team, please, for the love of God, do not draft Tim Tebow, not even if there's a fire. Thank you, everybody. That's going to do it for this episode of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes out every single day. If you're enjoying them, you might like the rest of our PFF content. You can save 40% on a lot of that as I try to pull up this ad read as I'm talking right now. But people, 40% off. All you got to do is go in, type in save 40. You can actually get you know the usual PFF subscription. Everything uh, involved with that at 40% off and everything involved with that is PFF's Fantasy Football Draft Guide, complete with our player rankings and projections college football preview magazine the first edition of the 2022 nfl draft guide and all of pff's locked article content again it's promo code save 40 40 off any pff subscription get access to all the pfs fantasy tools for just 5.99 thank you as always for tuning in to the pff fantasy football podcast you can check out the rest of my articles and stuff on pff.com and yeah you know go draft the best in 2021 hopefully you will not be sorry thanks again everybody and until next time take care